And I quickly realized that likes don't pay the bills. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Fat Cats, where we believe in continually getting better, constantly improving, and always upping your creative game. Welcome to episode 46. I'm your host, Wesley Dean, where I believe in helping people set goals, create a plan, and execute consistently. In today's episode with Nikki Fries, we are going to dive into the process of sales funnels, what it looks like in online marketing, even across the pond. So one of the questions I've heard is that, you know, everyone is talking about sales funnels and the process. And for my people who work internationally, some of the big questions that I've had are and seen out there are, do these things apply equally in the US as they do internationally? Like, can you take some of these same processes, a sales funnel of warming leads up and extend it to other countries? And the answer from what I'm seeing is predominantly yes. I mean, he outlines the sales funnel process for us in exactly the same way as people are doing it here in the US, except he does kind of frame the, the context of the communication a little bit differently. And we even dive in terms of a little bit of the history of how especially Denmark and the Scandinavian countries being a little more of a, a socialist background, how in some ways it wasn't always as cool to say, hey, look at how amazing, how great I am. They tended to be a little more egalitarian. Meanwhile, in the US, it's very much, hey, look how great I am. And uh, yeah, buy from me. And it's a little less apologetic in terms of the, how, how great you are and it's okay to kind of go big or go home and, and so we kind of discussed a bit these differences and what they're like and just found that part interesting but he did say that due to in many ways social media and how that is changing people's perceptions of, of individual individuality that in some ways culture is changing and there is a very big difference between older generations in Denmark and younger generations in part due to social media. But we dive into a bit about, you know, using social media, but at the same time recognizing its dangers and how in many ways it is in fact creating issues of depression, how you need to balance those things. And also one of my favorite quotes is where likes don't pay bills and how if you do have an audience, you need to be able to transition them through a sales funnel process in order to actually no, lead to making a purchase and having people pay you to do work. And so let's, without further ado, here's my episode with Nikki. Hey, Nikki, welcome to the podcast. I know you are hailing in all the way from Copenhagen, Denmark. So welcome from across the pond. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your show, Wesley. All right, so I know I think we have had someone from England before, but I think you are the first one on our show from the the Scandinavian area. So welcome, welcome, man. Way to way to represent. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm very excited to kind of share. I don't know. We also talked about a bit of cultural uh, differences uh, in kind of warming up to the show. So I'm excited to kind of let you know how it is to be Scandinavian. I guess. <laughs> yeah, and well, especially I think um, you know, obviously everyone has has the stereotypes of. Scandinavia and, you know, beautiful areas. But I think there is something important as people are considering digital marketing, what that looks like and helping understand the the differences. And I think in many cases, the the, the frameworks uh, still work and the, like the tools still work. But I think there are some subtle differences, just like we have parties in the U.S. and we have a party there. But behavior and decorum, especially with rods to work, is, is going to be a little bit different in both settings. So I'm excited to be able to dive into those things first. 
uh, here in a little bit. But before that, let's. I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. I mean, you really are a kind of born to be entrepreneur. It sounds like I know you started like your your first business kind of around 16 or so, but let's hear a little bit for listeners what that history has been like. <laughs> I, th- I think if I would say that I'm a born entrepreneurial person, I don't know for sure, but I mean, for as long as I remember, I've kind of been, I would say in kindergarten and everything, I've been kind of the one initiating games and initiatives and, and kind of having, uh, I don't know, when I played Counter-Strike back in high school, I was, or back in elementary school, I, I kind of started a clan and and, you know, kind of like always been this type of leader who wanted to start things. Um, yeah. And in third grade, I started, I built my first website for a hockey team that I created as well. I'm a, I'm a ice hockey player as well, uh, former ice hockey player. So uh, I also like, uh, you can say, uh, the American focus there. That's, uh, that's amazing. But otherwise, than that, <laughs> jokes aside and everything, when I was 16, I, I kind of, went on my own and became self-employed. And I've been starting a couple of businesses since. I've also been for three months inside a large corporation. I didn't fit there. So I basically started another company after that. No, well, I guess you might uh, counter that, yeah, you weren't born entrepreneur, but I guess pointing back to kindergarten, um, you know, maybe not born, but quickly became an entrepreneur and marketer, even at the early days, which is great. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, obviously, you know, growing up, you have the, the hat made in the 90s uh, for our audio listeners. So, uh, you know, the internet's something that, you know, maybe not very early days, but quickly has always been a part of the life. Um, what has been that process like for you of realizing that you can market and that you could use social media and online presence to actually get the word out there? What what point was that realization for you? Wow. I mean, <laughs> I've never been asked this, but when I was back, I, I remember when I was 13 years old and kind of in, in elementary school, we started using a social network here in Denmark called Arto. It's very much quite like MySpace was back back in the days. Um, and I quickly started, you can say, building my network there and building a profile and kind of in, in, my, in my city here in Copenhagen, Denmark, I started becoming noticed more and, and kind of being a personality. I guess for for when you're a kid, it's very much based on looks and maybe status. And it's not because I'm from a fancy neighborhood or anything like that. But I I kind of guess that that was where it started for me. I would say later on, of course, everybody moved on to Facebook. I started building a network there. I I did some modeling jobs uh, when I was 18 years old. I'm 26 today today for for the audience to know. Um, And kind of... Being a model and kind of having model pics back when social media became popular, that kind of gave you some easy likes and easy follows. Um, Long story short, I dropped being a model and I kind of had a bit of depression uh, because of, you can say, all this social stigma and I had to look a certain way when kind of going out on the street and, you know, all of these different things you want to look like you do on social media. But of course, it's impossible when all your images are, I don't know, not perfect, but close to with imaging, uh, image editing and everything. Um, I mean, social media does yeah. really create a lot of pressure on on people today. And, and even often when I talk to people who work in the marketing space, they are stuck between that balance of realizing that 
they use social media for, for marketing, they use it for spreading the word, but at the same time, it's living in that tension of being aware of social media, being aware of what it can be used for, it's power, but then also being aware of the dark side that you have to be very careful about. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, and of course, there's been a lot of focus on it uh, these days and, and over the last couple of years on kind of like the dark sides of social media and all these documentaries and everything. Uh, but I but I really agree. And, and even for me today, even though I, I kind of try to don't care about what I'm posting and kind of like the response to it, I'm a marketer. <laughs> I mean, I'm driven by performance. If I if I don't hit my uh, the count of likes that I assumed, um, then of course I believe that I have done a mistake or there was something wrong that could be improved upon. It's a bad tendency, I would still say. Now we talk about marketing. Of course, you have to be performance-driven. But if you talk about, you can say, self-esteem and everything, don't care about what you post. Post for yourself and not for everybody else, right? No, I, I think that is a great, great comment. And then, yeah, you're right that it, when you work in marketing, you obviously are driven by you need to make criteria in order to justify, you know, at the expense of, of you, of covering cost of living and, and everything like that. But at the same time, I think it's good to be able to – the smart people, the people who are – really good at marketing who I like look up to are always able to know this is work. And then they also are able to set aside time to, you know, they're not in it every day, you know, all the time, but they actually are able to set aside time for this is work on social media and this is personal and, and being able to separate the two is actually kind of a, a healthy balance. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then, so I'm curious, you know, once you got started within that marketing space, what, what would you say was that first like aha moment or like, Hey, this is for me, this is going to work. And let me keep, keep, keep at it. I mean, I, I was quite young. I, I guess, I guess I, I don't even realize what was my aha moment. I, I guess I just kept getting traction and getting noticed and people were kind of, uh, people around me was getting noticed of it as well. I remember back when I was 16 or 17 years old, there was a big competition on the internet where you could basically win a, um, a photo shoot uh, as a model and you could kind of get to Barcelona uh, at a five-star hotel and everything for free and everything. And the competition was basically based on you had to get most votes. So it's basically about how many friends do you have on social networks and can you get them to vote for you? And of course I won and, and it was maybe not easy, but it, it felt easy. And I think if there would be a aha moment on kind of like the power of network, that was basically that. And of course, I was super happy and, and honored and grateful that all the, those people had voted on me, a thousand plus people. Um, yeah, I, I think that's my aha moment back then. Was it that that space? And, and so I'm I'm curious when you've worked with in you know businesses and promoting, how have you did, found that differentiation between? promoting content on social media and actually leading to like concrete purchases or subscriptions or, or paying for things. Have you found that there is like the, the bridge or have you, is that sales funnel process a little bit different between just having a big audience to being able to actually like convince someone to, to make a purchase or buy something? Yeah, I've, I've definitely between there's a, you have to distinguish between having a large audience and also having, you would say, a, a, a business that you actually run. I have a friend, um, she has 200,000 plus followers on Instagram and she is not earning any money on it. 
And it's not because you don't want to, it's just because she, she don't know how to monetize it exactly. Of course, you can run ads and everything, but that's not something that you want to do for her audience. She want to start a coaching business. And that's something we are talking uh, a lot about right, uh, about right now. Uh, I think one of the things that I learned early on was that when social media started popping up, I was all for the likes and all for the follows and, and, and everything. And that was kind of before Instagram. And I quickly realized that likes don't pay the bills. And of course, today, what you, what I believe that you need to do if you want to succeed on, you can say building a social presence or building a social or personal brand, you definitely have to build some kind of strategy into it, marketing strategy. And that could be a funnel. Funnel is, is, is in my opinion, just a way to kind of think about your strategy. Think about it in certain steps that your audience or your followers have to go through in order for you to monetize on them and kind of provide them with some value. Okay. And so I am curious there, you know, what does that final process look like of engaging people who are on social media, maybe follow you and then transitioning to having them be actually, you know, in your sales funnel where they might, like they said, they're going to help pay the bills. I loved your comment. Likes don't pay the bills because that's true. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, you can say with my personal brand right now and, and um, with my growth advisory firm that I'm having. So my fun looks like this. I'm posting uh, three times a week on LinkedIn. I'm having a podcast as well. That is kind of like my free value that I'm giving out. Uh, I'm kind of thinking about repurposing some of it to other medias, but right now it's only LinkedIn and it's a, it's a, it's a podcasting as well. So this is kind of like the free value content that I'm bring out to the audience that is getting a lot of attention and people are listening in and kind of getting noticed of who I am. And one important thing to notice here in the power of podcasting is that people get to see you and they get to hear your voice. I mean, and when I get, and when I mean they get to see you, it's also because I'm live streaming it as well. So people who is tuning in, who also sees the images, they're able to see who you are. And if they later see you in a meeting, they know how you look like. They know how you smile. They know kind of like your body language. And of course, with, with podcasting as well, there's a lot of personality in your voice as well. So if people kind of get to know you by listening to your voice and they later speak with you in person or hear you on stage or hear you in a, in a webinar or something like that, they immediately feel like they trust you, right? Because it feels so, like it's a familiar voice that's, that you've heard before, even though you've perhaps never met them in person or, or talked to them online. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of giving this uh, warm sense of trust, I guess. Uh, at least that's what I've read and what I also believe in myself. But the podcasting is kind of like my the lowest part of my funnel, you can say. And when people listen to my podcast, I try to make them sign up for webinars. Well, that could be with my guests. So let's say I'm interviewing a growth expert and then later on having a webinar with that particular person where we deep dive, uh, deep dive into the particular topic that we spoke about on the podcast. And then of course, I hope that he is also bringing on his followers to listen into the podcast and then hopefully signing up to the webinar afterwards. And of course, when I, when they sign up to the webinar, I get them on my email list and then suddenly they becomes, you can say an audience that I own. And what I mean with that is that I kind of own their email. I can send emails to them until they unsubscribe. And it's not like with Facebook who you can say decides who will see my content when I post, if it makes sense. 
No, absolutely. And, I mean, because because Facebook, yeah. they can change their algorithms uh, with the, the flick of a switch and, and your business model could be, uh, you know, irrelevant or you might have to all of a sudden pay money to, to reach those people. Uh, meanwhile, if you have an email list, those are people that you can email to and you don't have to worry about an intermediate big company. Uh, in your case, a big tech company all the way in the U.S., <laughs> you know, dictating how your business model works. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's so that's you could say my funnel. The, the content marketing, which is really the podcast webinar where I can kind of, so now I'm also requesting something from my listeners or from my audience. I'm requesting their email address. They have to pay me with that. But with the podcast, it's all free. Of course, they don't have to subscribe or anything like that. It's just free value. So they sign up to the webinar. I send them out an email sequence where I try to to get them to, to do something else. Maybe you can say take a step further. Uh, providing me with more information about them or maybe doing some other thing where they have to provide me with something else. But again, the, the value payoff is a lot bigger because they're getting a lot of value from the webinar and I only ask for kind of a little bit. And what I hope to do with, you can say, my email sequence is that I hope to qualify uh, the people in my email sequence to kind of get to know if there's a fit between, you can say, who they are, their demography, uh, demography, their um, their behaviors are they the certain size of company that I would like to work with, etc. And then I try to get them to book a meeting with me at some point. And then after you can say the meeting, then I have four types of meetings depending on kind of the situation. And then we go into strategy engagements or workshops depending on kind of where they are. So my funnel is quite long, and you can say in the future what I hope to kind of bring on top of this is that right now we have the strategy engagements, but it could also be one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is basically just I'm on a call and people just request one hour with me and then get paid by the hour. That would also be fine with me if the if the say the salary is, is high enough for um and then it could be group coaching at one point because at some point I'm I may not have time for one-on-one -on -one coachings. Then it may be group coaching group coaching. Yeah, I mean, the, then later, the, the mastermind kind of format group coaching is very popular because it allows you to still provide that one-on-one -on -one feedback. Everyone feels like they're in with you personalized, but it also costs a lot less to have nine people meeting for an hour versus one-on-one -on -one meeting for an hour. Yeah, exactly. And then on top, you can say the last step would probably be something like an online course or something like that. Books, other type of content where you don't need to be fully present, I guess. Uh, so I really like the fact that, you know, you've basically gone through, described a very classic sales funnel that lines up, you know, exactly with what, you know, experts are saying here, you know, in the U.S. But what I am really curious is how do you find is that mixture is, is how you communicate and what you say any different from what you've experienced in, in American audiences versus more in the Scandinavian context where you're at right now? Have you. Has, has there ever been, because one of the things I've heard is that Americans can be very like direct and they'll like beat you over to the head with a sales process. Meanwhile, the same, same thing might work in your area, but people aren't quite ready to be quite as direct. Any thoughts there or, or differences you've observed? Yeah, there's definitely some, some differences that I observe. And I can also see kind of like the shift in the American way of, of doing things, I believe. At least that's what I see from, you can say, these um, funnel marketers, their landing pages and everything. But but I completely agree with what you're saying, kind of like, and I, and I guess nobody likes to getting forced into buy something. 
And I believe there's no difference between Swedish people, Danish people, Norwegian people, and American people in, in kind of general. But we could say what we have over here and and it's, I mean, it's, it's also different from younger Scandinavian people and older Scandinavian people. What we have here is something we call the Yente law. It's, a, it's basically a, a, not a real law, but a law that says that you, you can't think that you are something different than other people. You can't think that you are bigger than other people to some degree. And that's something that is very, you can say, intertwined with kind of like our upbringing here in the Scandinavian culture. Um, and what it really just means is that, I mean, you are not better than anybody else, right? And, and of course, um, you can say a lot of, not to, to offend anybody, but I believe at least in, you can say, American culture, people believe more in themselves. And often people don't have a hard time saying, I'm, I'm better than you, at least to some degree in, in some areas. And, in, and in, in, you can say in Scandinavian culture, you're not allowed to say that it's looked look down at, but especially more for, you can say the older generation, the younger generation is very international. And we also kind of know today based on social media, in my opinion, is that everybody is a personal brand and the younger generations in Scandinavia, they also know that. And in order for you to be a personal brand, you need to stand out. You need to take a position that you are some in some way different than other people and maybe that is better than other people so i can also see a shift here from the younger generation to the older generation so do you do you think in part some of this shift is i mean america has is very much a like very individualistic you know capitalist leaning company you know while uh you know in the scandinavia area it is more known for being more socialist more a little more even there's also, you know, I think less inequality in, in the country compared to, you know, vast inequality in, in the U.S. Do you think that's part of it? Is is that that background of being a little, being more socialist and being more equal as a country where you're not actually supposed to stand out quite as much and tell everyone how good, you, better you are than them? But the apparently social media is kind of changing that through the generations. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I, and I definitely believe that social media have had, say, a, a big say in this, in this culture shift that we see. And and also kind of like just uh, digitalization in, te- in general and the internet and everything, especially if you see in kind of like the hierarchy of companies today and businesses, uh, h- how we used to see it was that in, in America, it was very, um, what, how do you pronounce it? Hier- hierarchical. Yeah, what do you hierarchical. Say? Hierarchical. Hi- I know you said I had a hard time with that word too. So, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. And 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 in, in you can say in Scandinavian culture we see it more as, as a flat organization. And what I also believe that, I mean, there's all these thought leaders in organizational culture and everything who is talking in in different ways of you can say um, structuring your company today. And I, I feel like it's all getting intertwined to some degree. And one one other thing, of course, is that. Um, in in American we in America it's it's very much let let me know if this is wrong uh, go big or go home yeah. kind of like yeah. mentality yeah I mean especially I think yeah. within kind of like more like Wall Street 
um, mentality is definitely a very go big or home uh, mentality. I mean, I, I don't think it's quite as much for, you know, maybe mom and pop, you know, shops that are just trying to main street, small town setting company. But I think that is the mentality in corporate America. It's, you know, if we're not growing, we're dying, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I, I guess like that Scandinavian culture is more like, I mean, it, how I see it is that I've been studying in in San Diego for three months uh, back in 2013, I guess. And and what I saw there is that, I mean, of course, I, I felt like I had some accomplishments um, in in a in a, a in a Danish way. On a Danish level, if I compared myself to anybody, I was, you can say, of I had accomplished more stuff than a typically, uh, how old was I? I don't know, 19 year old. Uh, male in, in Denmark. But when I came to America, I mean, I started to compare myself with with people who had these enormous um, accomplishments because over, over there, as I said, it's kind of like you either go for it or you don't. And that's the kind of same mentality that I have. But what you see typically within, you can say, the this, this society over here, again, I believe it's changing a little bit because of social media and everything and with the younger generation. But you can say beforehand, I mean, we couldn't care less if it was go big or go home. It was more like we just want comfort, you know? You just want to be comfortable and and you're okay not having it be huge, but you just want to be able to make a living and and um, have enough to provide and get by. And y- y- growth doesn't necessarily have to, um, you know, you don't have to get huge to, to be successful. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And. And, and it, to kind of get back to your question in regards to what are kind of some of the differences that we see. And, and I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all in the communication, I guess. And again, I believe that you can say North American and, and uh, yeah, North American culture and European country, culture, especially in Scandinavia, is kind of getting more and more intertwined in regards to how we approach market to people. We understand that it's all based on, you can say, the psychology of of humans, and we all understand that kind of in order to 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 sell something, we have to, and in order to market something, we have to talk to the audience in the way that the audience, um, you could say, um, resonate with the message that is delivered, right? And on a basic level. And I think everybody is, is starting to understand that. And I also believe that Americans is starting to doing research and Danish people, again, is starting to doing research based on American people. How would you communi- communicate to this specific audience in order to get them to resonate with your message? Um, yeah. So I, I think like everybody is getting, everybody is marketers today to some degree. And people are just getting better. But that is really interesting because it sounds like, uh, from your point of view, things really have changed a lot in the last several years. But that they, you know, they're at a spot where, skin, especially, you know, Denmark, Scandinavian general, used to be a bit more maybe flatter or egalitarian. Everyone's the same. But that social media has kind of created this thing where people are standing out and they're almost a little more comfortable being a little more direct about the need to grow or the desire to grow, uh, regardless of whether or not it's actually leads to sustainability in the long term. Yeah. And I, and I believe that it's, it's kind of like, let's say that, that Scandinavian people were, uh, were on, on, you could say one level here, 
not to offend anybody, I'm just kind of like trying to to make it very specific. Oh, absolutely. It's always helpful to have specifics rather than be vague and politically like correct or whatever, you know. <laughs> okay, thank you. But like very, very, um, what could you call it? Um, very humble. And Americans would be very, you could say, um, it's it's not the not, opposite not of humble, being yeah. humble. <laughs> but no, no, it's more like uh, what I mean is that um, we are great, you know? Oh yeah, and, no, and, that's, that's, that's and, very, very accurate. Yeah, and, and Danes would be more like humble about it and say, "Oh, maybe I'm not that great," you know. And and what I see today is that Americans do also know that that type of message do not work for everybody. And over here on the Scandinavian side, they they also and they also believe that it's 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 not working just being humble. We we need to be able to communicate the kind of value that we deliver. And as well with Americans, um, they also, I mean, in, in today's world, I, they need to communicate even better kind of exactly what tangible value that they can deliver and not so abstract, which it may have been in the past. I'm not sure if it makes sense, but I feel like it's, it's kind of merging now. So we are kind of meeting each other in the middle that it's not like we are the greatest in the world. People in, a, in in kind of like Western society, they kind of know that there's also also other people out there who is probably quite good and we can all learn something from each other. And on the other end of the spectrum, it's not like uh, Scandinavian people here, they say, oh, we are not the best at anything. We also kind of get kind of know now that we can also bring something to the table. Some yeah. people still don't know what it is, but it's kind of like I see those two things merge. If it makes sense, maybe yeah. you can sum it up in a in a in a better way. No, but but I think you're right that it is kind of a uh, you know America stereotypically does have the reputation for just you know beating their own drum and and talking about how how great America is. And, and other people you know are more likely to hear, well, tell me about the value they actually bring. Don't just tell me about how how great you are from from a marketing. And I think that people always want to be able to connect with how, the value that you bring, how you're going to help them, versus just saying, you know, hey, this is how awesome you know I am. And, and I think that's where too the like social media doesn't like likes don't automatically lead to paying the bills. I think in part because people just can post on like about how great they are and people are attracted wanting to be around people who are doing well just for like proximity and, and stuff like that but but if all you do is on your, on your social talk about how awesome you are people might be attracted to it but because they want to be around someone who's great but they're, they're not going to necessarily pay you just for being great you actually have to bring value and i think that's where kind of as you're pointing out you actually have to be able to bring them through the sales funnel process that you described add more value and um, help them, you know, solve the problems, help them th- survive, not just, um, you know, see how, see what you're doing <laughs> and how awesome you might yeah. be. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a topic for, for your podcast, uh, Wesley, please uh, interrupt me if it isn't, but what we also see, and you can say the more consultancy, consultant, consult, consultative space here, or the services space is that we kind of go from selling inputs, which could be materials and hours and, also not selling outputs, which could be website design or something like that, but more towards selling value. So really having a value conversation about kind of like what is the actual value that we are delivering here? Let's say, what are the reasons for why you want to build this new website? It's because we don't believe that we are converting no uh, enough clients. I mean, okay, so the value here is actually 
taking you from X amount of client, clients to Y amount of clients? And what is that what is that worth to you in regards of revenue or whatever value metric we have? And that's also something that we see. So not build on inputs, not building build on outputs, but build on value. So I kind of feel like it's the same kind of uh, emergence field here that it's getting more tangible in regards to talking about the actual value at hand. No, absolutely. I think because especially in any kind of email campaign, you know, you need to talk about the value that you're bringing, not just like the deliverable, but what is the value? And if you don't articulate that value, people are going to have a hard time making a commitment, you know, to anything. Yeah, yeah. And and one other thing, please again interrupt me if it's uh, it's not uh, oh, no, appropriate I, I, to talk I, about I, here. I, I love these conversations. <laughs> so how I also see you can say growth marketing emerge is that typically what you would have is the traditional marketing funnel. You would have awareness, acquisition at the top. You would have um, activation and revenue, and you could say the middle, and then you would have revenue and referral in the bottom. That's the traditional growth marketing kind of funnel. And what you see is that you would say marketing is responsible for the awareness and the acquisition part. So getting um, you could say getting awareness and acquiring more users, more leads, more 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 users. Then you can say the middle part here is about activating and the revenue part. So this is about the sales conversation. Actually, you can say uh, getting revenue from, from these users. Then we have the, the top button here, which is really about retention and referral, which is for the customer success team. And kind of what we see with growth is that they are kind of taking care of all these uh, six elements in a holistic approach. And that could be tied to a North Star metric, or you could say one metric that matters, which could be revenue. And the reason for why we see that it was that, let's say with marketing, if they are measured, the KPI for them are measured on leads, they would do whatever it takes to just get a, a huge amount of leads, no matter the quality of the leads. So let's say that they, they just get 100 leads and the quality of those leads are kind of kind of bad. And then, of course, the sales team, they are measured based on how many sales they close. So they might not close, you can say, the highest value leads because they just want to close the ones that they can close, you know, and that's how they are basically measured. So again, you can say customer success in the button here, they, they, they stand with the problem at hand because now the sales team may have sold something that the customer actually didn't need because it wasn't a high quality lead and they may have a very hard time retaining the customer over long term. So what we see today is that these growth departments are emerging or growth teams who are thinking about, you could say, the total added value from all these six levers, which is all, of course, tied to lifetime value or something in that regard, if it makes sense. So also, again, about the value, you can say the, the holistic value generated from across all these different levels. No, that, that is, that is super helpful. And I think you're right that people have to be thinking through across all across the value and, um, what that looks like and, and making sure that you're generating high quality leads, not just sheer quantity, because if you have sheer quantity, it's going to be hard to, to really sell to them and provide value because they're just not the right, the right person. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks so much, Nikki. It's been great having you on the podcast. Um, what would be some like where can people get a hold of you or if they want to learn more? I know you mentioned your podcast. Where can people go to learn more about you? 
Well, first of all, thank you so much, Wesley, for having me on your show. It has been so much fun. And also, if you are sitting out there and you are listening into this podcast, please comment on Wesley's, uh, where he is posting this podcast, if it's LinkedIn, if it's Instagram, it's, it's on his comment ses- sessions or, or ratings. I would also be happy to comment there. And then, of course, Wesley he will also get a lot of the value from, from my engagement there. Otherwise, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have and connect with me, please. My podcast is called Out of Growth. You can find it in your favorite podcast ad. And of course, um, I'd be happy to see you around. All right. Sounds good. I'll have the links in the, the show notes. So thanks so much for, for being on the podcast, Nick. It's great having you. Love the conversation and diving into how you know some of the sales funnels and processes still work, even though there are some differences adjusted in terms of language for, for culture. But that was just a really fascinating conversation there. Pleasure is mine. Thank you, Wesley. All right, thanks. And that wraps up another episode with Nikki Fries. I enjoyed being able to bounce ideas around and just get a sense from him on what communication, what marketing looks like, even across cultures. And I think it is apparent that a lot of the systems and, and ways of communicating are very similar, but at the same time, it is a mixture of us all coming together. And in many cases, when you're working internationally, you, if you're coming from more of an American background, you need to be able to move towards what communication looks like in the area that you're working in. And at the same time, people are willing to meet you halfway because they realize that in some ways the, the content that the U.S. puts out, the social media frameworks and platforms very much dominate in, in, in a lot of ways is just kind of the, the way to say it is, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at Facebook, Instagram, Google, all American companies, and they really are shaping culture uh, around the world for good or bad. But as we work and as we reach people in different areas, we can use those tools, but at the same time, make sure we come into the middle, kind of a middle ground and being able to, to build relationships and actually work with people at a personal level. So if you have any comments, please feel free to, to, to leave a comment, leave a review. would love to just engage. Let me know what you want to hear more about the topics and what else you found helpful uh, about this episode. Love hearing back from you. Until next week, keep getting better, keep reading, keep learning, and always improving. Have a great one.